0: Scripture today comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. This is the word of our Lord.
1: You may be seated. Well, those are hefty words, are they not? I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I have a friend who lives far away from here who has a lifestyle that you perhaps would in some ways envy. He is in real estate. He he sells condos that are valued somewhere between 2 and 19 million dollars each. We have been talking recently, and he has said to me, I have so lost who I am. My identity has so gotten wrapped up in other things. That is easy, regardless of where you live or what you do or what your occupation may be. And I would say this morning, as we talk to men in the room and kids, that our identity as men often gets wrapped up not in whose we are, but in what we do. When men get together, we tend to introduce ourselves by what we do. And so this morning we come to this high and holy call of us to be dads, all the dads who are in the room And the reality, just like Mother's Day, regardless of your situation, regardless of your relationship with your own father, everyone in the room is touched in some way by a dad. Either you are one or you belong to one. And so it is this morning that we come to look at what God's word has to say Recently, Wendy and I attended a graduation at a very liberal college in our state. It was a graduation for a family member, and they had elected someone to speak, a student. And she got up to speak, and as she did, her speech was clearly from the perspective of a rebel. She embraced it. She talked uh, much of rebellion of uh, how uh, so many other generations had gotten it or were getting it wrong. Then the chaplain of this church-related college got up to pray. Before he began to pray, he also uh, talked of rebellion. It was Mother's Day weekend. He shared how, in his estimation, Mother's Day came Uh, as a result of women rebelling against authority. I immediately do what you do. When I say something you wonder about, you Google it, right? So I did. Went to the History Channel, looked it up. No place to be found for his unfounded statements. Then came the speaker of the day. He was an accomplished attorney, one-time president of a university, now uh, chair of the law uh, department at Elon University and on the board of this small uh, college. He tried to speak out of both sides of his mouth, In one part, he applauded the rebellion of these folks, but you could tell it bothered him greatly. And he began to try to rein in what he had heard uh, as he uh, gave his speech. It was a debacle. It was uh, awful. Um, And... That is indeed where we find ourselves in culture today. So kids, you are in the room. Uh, Teenagers are always in the room, but there are elementary kids in the room today. And I want you to listen, especially to the first two truths. I know what Alan Michael does when he preaches over uh, in kids' worship. He'll say, truth number one. And then he gives it, right? That's what he does. So here we go. I'll do it. And then you say truth number one. Truth number one. one. There we go. Good deal. Number one children, honor your parents because it's right. Honor your parents because it's right. Look at this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul, interestingly enough, in his first motivation for obedience or honor, and it's the same thing, your mom and dad does not go to God's law. He does not go to any specific rule in Old Testament Judaism. No, he simply says it is the right thing to do. Where does he get that? What Paul is saying is that it is natural law. It is imprinted on the nature of young kids to honor their parents. Virtually all civilizations live here. You can go across cultures, across countries, you can go in the poor, in the wealthy, you can go to those who have a lot of education and those who have little, and in every one of those situations, children honor their parents. It is a natural law which produces a natural order the natural law of children honoring their parents produces a natural order. I would say to you this morning that since the creation of the family precedes the creation of the church, that if the family unit loses its natural law, the church itself will begin to unravel. There is this natural law that is implied that when Adam and Eve had children. Those children by nature, though it was marred by sin, did what they said to do. Adam and Eve were in charge of their children. So let's look at this word obey. The word is rich in Greek. It comes from the idea of porter. What did a porter do? Here's how it worked. If you're in the house and somebody knocks on the door, the knock causes the porter to drop anything he's doing and go to the door. That's the word obey. The word obey says when mom or dad speaks, you should hear that, kids, Listen to me as a knock on the door. And when you hear the knock on the door, you don't yell by pulling off your headset from your game and say, just a minute. Amen, parents? All right. What do you do? You know, you go and you say, yes, yes. What is it? That is what the word obey means. In many cases, delayed obedience equals disobedience. Delayed obedience equals disobedience. You don't say, not now. You don't say, I don't like that. You don't say, I don't want that. You don't say, I'm not happy about that. And all of you kids are going to be thrilled to be across the way next week. (laughs) This is no fun to you, you're thinking. I'm just saying to you, this is God's word. Obey your parents because it is right. Disobedience to parents can have an immediate devastating effect. I remember Henry Blackaby, that famed author of Experiencing God, who talked about the first church he pastored in Canada. He said there was a three-year-old boy who was the joy of his mom and dad. He was fun, and he was funny. And he had them wrapped around his little finger. They would tell him to do things, and he would laugh at them and go the other way. But they did not correct him. They thought that to be funny, and they would laugh. ...at him when he did it. Until one day, Blackaby says... ...in his young pastorate... ...that that little boy... ...made a beeline toward the street... ...and mom and dad yelled... ...no... ...come back. And the last thing they remember is seeing his smiling, laughing face as he ran into the path of a car and died. It was Blackaby's first funeral as a young pastor. A three-year-old cute boy whose parents laughed at his disobedience. Parents, let me say something to you. That story is tragic. But what is equally tragic is when you laugh when they're three. They will give you something to laugh about when they're 13. You won't be laughing then. You'll be awake at night crying, wondering why. They say no to you then. And the costs are so much higher. This is natural order. Children, obey your parents because it's right. Number two, children, honor your parents because you will love life. You're like, what? (laughs) Like if I do what mom and dad say, I will love life. Well, if your parents are good, they'll make sure you don't if you don't do what they say. (laughs) Right? They will make sure that your love of life is diminished when you refuse to do what they say honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land now paul goes to the old testament and says from the old he's going to natural law this is just how all civilizations and cultures are across the board but let's zero in to the old testament and what he says it's the first commandment given with the promise now let's talk about the old testament all right so some of you after this little excerpt from the sermon are going to be thinking i'm glad i live now not then according to the old testament law anyone who strikes or curses his father or mother was put to death put to death anyone who dishonors his father or mother was cursed Any stubborn, defiant, disobedient son, according to the Old Testament law, was eligible for death. Honor and obedience are the same. When you honor your parents, you will obey them. And when you obey your parents, you're honoring them. It's the best way to honor them. Not buy them an amazing gift on Father's Day. Just do what they say on Tuesday. I guarantee you, they'll appreciate that a whole lot more. So, let's look at the Ten Commandments. Here they are. You will have no other gods before me. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And look at number five. What does it say? Let's say it out loud. Honor your father and mother. mother. Let's go to number six. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet. Here's a fascinating thing. Let's go back, uh, push one uh, back on that slide. Thank you. Number five seems to go with six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Right? If you look at one through four in the commandments, they're all vertical. Do you see that? No other gods, no idols. Take the name of the Lord your God in vain and keep the Sabbath day holy. Those are all directed to God. You look at number six, honor your father and your mother. And then we go to the next slide to number seven, murder, adultery, steal, lying, and coveting all have to do with other people. So four seem to go vertical, six seem to go horizontally. But the Jews didn't think of it that way. The Israelites, when they looked at the commandments, is that they grouped 1 through 5 together, and they grouped 6 through 10 together. And so any person reading Scripture goes, okay, why? The significance of this arrangement is that it brings the honoring of our parents into our duty to God. They viewed so critical to your relationship with God, they viewed so critical to that relationship that you honor your parents. And when you honor your parents, you, by extension, are honoring God. Here it is. Please hear me, uh, kids and teenagers, uh, adult children, if you're still living at home and your mom and dad are wondering how long that's going to be, uh, just just Listen. Hear me. It is inconceivable that you can come in here and sing a song to God when, on the way here, you talk disrespectfully to His agents of discipleship in your life who are your mom and dad. That's the point. It's inconceivable that you come to church on Sunday and mom and dad are saying, do this, do that, do that. And you're like, eh, 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 and you're frustrated and aggravated and today's picture day, right? So you got to dress a certain way. If your family's getting your picture made and mom says this, I want to do it. And all of this kind of stuff, you know, that you may be going through today and then come in here and stand beside mom and dad and sing the songs to God. God saying, I'm not listening I'm not listening. Get it right with them and then sing to me. This is so important. Why? There's a promise. It's not in the list I gave you. It's in the elaboration in Exodus of the commandments that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The word well literally means that you'll prosper. I would say it succinctly this way, honor now because it is right, and honor now because the future will be bright. That's, that's the command, to go well with you. If you honor your parents' the command is that you'll do well. You'll be able to go away to college and honor your professors. You'll be able to drive down the street and honor the police. You'll be able to step into high school and honor your teachers. But if you do not honor mom and dad at home, that is the first thread that begins to unravel prosperity for you it begins there sadly it does not end there that's where things begin to unwind where's the most profound example of this a son named Jesus Kneeling in a garden. The Father sending him to die. On his knees praying a simple prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Scripture says Jesus learned obedience as a son. If he did, how much more do you and I have to learn obedience? Wow. Number three, fathers, honor your kids so they will honor the Lord. Honor your kids so they will honor the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, this is implied to mothers, but the word here is fathers. All through Scripture, you'll find a word that can be uh, it, it's speaking to parents, but not here. It's interesting that it is speaking to dads, and the word in the Greek is to dads. So, dads, tune in for a moment. Fathers, let's talk about in Jewish life what a dad could do in that day. He had absolute control over his children, even his married sons and their wives. That was in Jewish culture in the greek world the family the dad ruled he had total authority over his children parents were superior children were inferior in the greek world the fathers had a right to beat degrade and lock up their children paul is speaking into that don't miss this in the roman family The father had absolute control. And his control over his son was for life. For life. He could punish him. He could even sell him into slavery or have him killed. That was the Roman system. The son's position in the community, of no consequence. The father ruled over whatever other system existed. The father had more power over his son than a master over his slaves. It is into that situation that Paul speaks truth. And he checks the Jewish system, the Greek system, and the Roman system and says, this is how it is to be. Do not provoke your children to anger. Christianity then begins to do something to elevate the position of children. Well, where did that come from? Maybe it came from Jesus when he brought the little children to himself and his disciples, aware of the cultural uh, mandate of the day, said, hey, get the kids away from him. And Jesus says no. And he puts a child on his lap and he begins to take care of that uh, child and bless that child. And he says, allow the little children to come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And so all of a sudden, children elevate as do other weak people in the day. Uh, uh, the, the they. they begin to elevate in Christianity. This recognizes that children are persons in their own right who are not to be manipulated, exploited, or crushed. Dads. If you're going to be a Christian dad, you're not going to be a Roman Christian dad. You're not going to be a Greek Christian dad. You will have to step away from those cultural mandates and follow Christ. So that's the negative. What's the positive? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So bring them up. That phrase means let them be fondly cherished. Deal gently with them. You have children. Dads, deal gently with them. In the discipline. That word implies physical discipline. I know that can or cannot be popular today. Uh, but it's fascinating. Among millennials, 74% of millennials say Physical discipline still should be used in the correction of children. It's all throughout scripture. And I must say to you, as one who received it on a few times, it didn't mess me up. I think it's unusually cruel that I have to go pick out the the switch that goes across my legs. That is awful because I'm choosing what's going to hurt me. I never enjoyed that. I was a stubborn kid. It was also dumb to look stubbornly at my dad after such a whipping and say well that didn't hurt. (laughs) That's unwise. (laughs) I'll just say from personal experience because he made sure to solve that problem. After that I could not say it didn't hurt. My stubbornness gave way to sobriety and I owned my pain. Proverbs 13:24 Whoever spares the rod hates his son but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him and instruction So, discipline implies physical discipline, instruction uh, to call attention to, uh, mild rebuke or warning. Comes from two words in the Greek, which means to place in the mind. There is to be talk that accompanies the correction of the Lord. So the father's training of his children is not to be human-centered or law-centered, but Christ-centered. Now I want to speak to something, men. I want to speak to us. In the South, this has fallen to moms. By and large, it's a Southern deal. And perhaps it's outside of the South. It's just my context. Men work. My grandpa I, I get my work ethic on every side of my family. My grandpa on my mother's side was a construction worker. He'd work all day at construction in East Tennessee, He'd come home. My grandmother, who had 11 children and would cook every day for them, well, Papa didn't eat. He would say to her, I can eat when it's dark and he'd go work tobacco. In his mindset, that's what he did. They were not believers, so there was no investment at that point in those children for the Lord. Dads, it is our task to speak truth into our kids' lives. It isn't something that you can punt to your wife. And you cannot speak what you do not know. If you are not in the Word, if you do not have the Word in you, then how is it that the Word can flow out of you to instruct your children? So let me encourage you then, today as you leave, a simple tool. A simple tool. This is a simple beginning point, or or perhaps it's a deeper end point for you. J.D. Greer's book, The Gospel, has a gospel prayer in it that I'm convinced if we begin to pray and it takes root in our lives, true gospel change occurs. It has four parts. What if you, dads, and what if your kids got this? There is nothing I've done that can make you love me less and nothing I could do that would make you love me more. What if we really got this and what if your kids really got that that's what God has done for them in Christ? The second part of the prayer, you are all I need for everlasting joy. What if you and I truly embrace that and our wives and our kids truly embrace that? The third part of the prayer, as you have been to me, I will be to others. The grace you've given me, I'll give to others. What if your kids and grandkids truly live this out? The fourth, as I pray, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. Or in summary, God cares and God can. So as you leave today, dads, these are for you to take and begin to incorporate into your kids' lives. Now, I want to distinguish something, and I think this is important, between false education and true education, because that's what this is about. So, dads, this is so important to get. False education is indoctrination, true education is transformation. It is not your goal that your kids can spit out a rote, memorized understanding of truth. No. Your goal is that your kids can take the truth of God's word, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus dying and resurrecting and ascending and interceding for them and apply that to their lives. That is real education. Indoctrination is easy. Get your kids to memorize things that you think matter, transformation is hard. It involves a lot of conversations over periods of time around both successes and failures. It speaks truth into difficult circumstances. It uh, uh, administers as Jesus came full of grace and truth simultaneously. Our goal at this church isn't to turn out college students who are high school students who go into college with a rote list of things that are uh, doctrinal in nature, but rather with a transformed mind that uh, lives, uh, leads to a transformed life, that leads to a transformed community, that leads to a transformed world. Those are two different things. And so, where you and I are called to engage is in the trenches of real life where our kids live and hearing things you may not want to hear and knowing things you may not want to know. No one ever said this would be easy or comfortable. No one ever said that. No one ever said it would be formulaic. Nobody ever said that if you do this, as a matter of fact, the proverb that says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. That phrase, in the way he should go, literally means according to his bent. One kid, training works this way. Another kid, training works another way. It is with my two. If I just glance at Hannah, she shrivels. That's just the way she is. That's the way she's natured. Trent, on the other hand, more like a punch, right? Just drive the truth in. That's just the way they're built. It is my task then not to have a unilateral approach to parenting, but but rather one that is fit for each child. Bob Benson wrote this poem, and I end with it today. Dads, it gives us the long view. I want to encourage you with the long view. It's called Laughter in the Walls. It's also the title of the sermon. Bob Benson was an architect and clearly a poet, too. Listen. I pass a lot of houses on my way home, some pretty, some expensive, some inviting, but my heart always skips a beat when I turn down the road and see my house nestled against the hill. I guess I'm especially proud of the house and the way it looks because I drew the plants myself. It started out large enough for us. I even had a study. Well, two teenage boys now reside in there. (laughs) And it had a guest room. My girls and nine dolls are permanent guests. It had a small room that Peg, my wife, had hoped would be her sewing room. The two boys swinging on the Dutch door have claimed this room is their own so it really doesn't look right now as if I'm much of an architect. But it will get larger again. One by one, they will go away to work, to college, to service, to their own houses. And then there will be room, a guest room, a study, and a sewing room for just the two of us, but it won't be empty. Every corner, every room, every nick in the coffee table will be crowded with memories. Memories of picnics and parties, Christmases, bedside vigils, summers, fires, winters, going barefoot, leaving for vacation, cats, conversations, black eyes, graduations, first dates, ball games, arguments, washing dishes, bicycles, dogs, boat rides, getting home from vacation, meals, rabbits, and a thousand other things that still fill the lives of those who would raise five. And Peg and I will sit quietly by the fire and listen to the laughter in the walls. That, dads, is the long picture. The laughter in the walls. That is the vision. So I've written a prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? It is a prayer from dads for their families. And it goes like this Father, I come to you, you as the ultimate Father, and I only an earthly representation. I pray for my family. They are yours, a gift from you to me. I pray they will know the gospel, live by grace and grow to love you even more. Father, I pray your bright future for them. Give me wisdom beyond my years, strength beyond my capacity, and grace beyond what I deserve, that I may be to them in my limited way, you are to me in your unlimited way and I pray this in Jesus name and all the dads in the room say